It's not always easy to find the positive. You might even need to search for happiness. Sometimes, just a little inspiration can make the difference. Here, it comes from unexpected places. Welcome to the Tangential Inspiration Podcast. I'm Teresa. And I'm Colleen. We're two ordinary moms looking for inspiration wherever we can find it. Hi, and welcome to Tangential Inspiration. Today, I am talking about my favorite author, Jan Karen. I've never heard of her. I know, I'm excited. Okay. She's my favorite. Okay. And, shockingly, about cats. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I'm going to be talking about Clara Hill. So I haven't heard of her either, so it's all good. I hadn't heard of her before either, but apparently she's like America's Mother Teresa. Oh, uh, wonderful. Yes. So, super excited. Yes. So I kind of have a dirty little secret about social media. <laughs> I really love TikTok. Oh, okay. And I'm just kind of new to it. Uh-huh. And there are some great exercise things on there and organizing. And I love yeah. the organizing. Yeah. And of course, I love the cats. <laughs> cats are doing funny, funny things. Cats on TikTok. Cats huh. on TikTok. I did not know that was it's a thing. It's fantastic. Oh, and funny. my older daughter sends me TikToks almost every day. <laughs> of cats? Of cats. <laughs> or something high school musical related, usually. Yeah, that's so cute. <laughs> and so my daughter actually directed me to this user that did videos about her cat, Mackenzie. And I just started watching it because Mackenzie was actually just really funny and really super grumpy. <laughs> and her owner, Angela, would film herself getting Mackenzie ready to go outside or to go places, so she'd be like, "Today I'm putting on a little parka, you know, and or today which would make her even more grumpy, right. even grumpier." And yeah. she wasn't like swatting or anything, but she did like that, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. And she would sound ferocious, but I never saw her bite or mm. swat. And I just really loved watching her videos. And I was totally impressed when she shared the story of how she acquired Mackenzie. She notes that in December 2019, her grandfather passed away in a hospital while waiting on a list to go to a retirement home. Mm. And the reason he hadn't put himself on the list sooner is he was taking care of his wife's 14-year-old cat. Mm. And his wife had passed away. Mm -hmm. So he was just so worried about this. And nobody in his family really wanted Mackenzie because Mm -hmm. she was this kind of grumpy cat. (laughs) She had been spoiled with those. Right. So Angela, who is McKinsey's now owner, mm-hmm. said, I I really didn't want her to spend her last years in a shelter. Mm. And so she said, I decided that I would adopt her. Good for her. She said, over the course of the next year, I learned that McKenzie may appear to be aggressive, but she is truly a loving and adventurous cat with just a bit of an attitude. <laughs> Which, don't we all have some attitude? Right. So it's okay. Yeah. Through sharing videos of her on TikTok, this is Angela, I heard countless stories of how many seniors worried about what would happen to their pets when they moved to a retirement home or, heaven forbid, passed away. Mm -hmm. So without family or friends to take their animals, these seniors feared their animals would live out their remaining days in a shelter. And it was the same fear that her grandfather Mm -hmm. had. So she actually started a charity called My Grandfather's Cat. Oh. I know. It's a safe space for seniors to arrange second forever homes for their beloved pets. How sweet. I know. They're in Nova Nova Scotia, which I really didn't Mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. I had watched her on TikTok. I knew she had this charity, Mm -hmm. but I never knew that they were in Nova Scotia. wow. In Canada. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
So my grandfather's cat provides a service to help seniors and terminally ill people arrange homes for their pets. Rather than housing animals in a foster system, we arrange for them to move directly from their home into their second forever home. Our goal is for the animal to stay with their human up until the very last day. We often help in the following situations, where a senior is moving into a retirement home or care facility due to declining health, a person has been diagnosed with a terminal illness, or a person has unexpectedly passed away, and their family is unable to adopt their pet. Mm -hmm. Within a month of operating, she received countless emails from people who were terminally ill asking to use their service. I know. Colleen's making me cry. I'm sorry. <laughs> she said, my heart broke for them, and I couldn't imagine being in that position and having to ask an organization to make an exception. So I changed our mission to help them, too. In February 2022, less than a year after they launched, my grandfather's cat was recognized by the Canadian government as a registered charity. Oh, I love that. <laughs> so, Mackenzie's now passed away, mm. but she lived the last two years of her life with Angela. And so she died at 16 years old. You can find Angela's website, super cute website, lots of cute cats. <laughs> and it's at mygrandfatherscat.ca. So there's cute cats for adoption, and you can also donate there. And they do not charge anybody for using this service in any way, shape, or form. What a beautiful, so. I mean, she's taken something tragic. Yeah. And once, you know, like I loved seen, it. yeah. And on her TikTok, you can see cats that have been placed already. I know. So her TikTok is Anne, which is A-N, Graphus, G-R-A-F-U-S-3. That's her handle. And again, the website is mygrandfatherscat.ca. And I will always remember the sweetest grumpy cat, Mackenzie. But I just love this. (laughs) Now I'm going to have to look up on TikTok. Yeah. I have to go check out Mackenzie. Yeah, her you'll love friend. her. She's hysterical. <laughs> Clara McBride sounds like the name of some heroine. Yes. In a romance novel. Yes, or it totally does. Um, or maybe not, considering I don't read them. I'm just guessing. It I don't either. Like that. Yeah, not my thing either. We could start writing one with that. With Clara McBride. <laughs> um, Clara shares a birthday with my sister. Nice. April 1st. Oh, geez. Um, <laughs> give or take a few decades with my sister. A few more than. Um, so she was born April 1st, 1905 in Elizabeth City, North Carolina. More for, That's more of our novel. It is. <laughs> it's like it's all romance. very it southern romance. <laughs> yes. But she was raised in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Her father died, sadly, when she was just a baby, leaving her mother to raise Clara and her four siblings. Clara's mother felt it was extremely important to be available for her children, and parenting was definitely her priority. So, you know, this is nineteen oh, this is early 1900s, right. so um, a lot of stuff going on that they, parenting wasn't necessarily top priority for everyone else. Well, and if you were wealthy, you usually had nannies. Right. I don't know about this family, yeah. but usually no, they had did a nanny. Not. Yeah. And they were just, you know, all the kids were trying to just help make ends meet, too, sure. typically. Clara would definitely emulate her mother later on in life. She would say that everything she was able to accomplish was because of her mother's parenting and the things that she had witnessed as a child, which I just, I loved that. I do too. I love that she's carrying that Mm -hmm. or that she carried that torch and that she, 
even noted that. And appreciated her Exactly, mom for yeah. It. I, mm-hmm. I think that's what it is, too. I think that's what every mother wants. Yeah. Appreciation. Just a little. I just enjoy that. Just a little. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she would also credit her religious upbringing. She was raised as part of the Baptist church. She had a strong moral upbringing, and while she faced her share of challenges growing up, she credited her Christian faith as getting her through. She was the first person in her family to graduate from high school. So apparently this wasn't a regular thing in that day, Hmm. but Clara had high expectations for herself and her lifestyle proved it. Her education gave her an appreciation for ethnic and social class differences. Once again, you know, she wanted, education was important to her because of her mom. Right. So I love that she carried on. Shortly after graduation, she married, becoming Clara Hale. Okay. And moved to New York City. She studied business administration and was busy cleaning, working as a domestic. In 1938, when Clara was only 27, her husband died of cancer. Oh, my goodness. So this left her with three kids to raise, Nathan, Lorraine, and an adopted son, Kenneth. Now, remember, 1938, you've got the Great Depression going on. She worked day and night just to make ends meet. On one income. Yeah. Yeah, just her, and she was a janitor, and then she also was cleaning houses, and Gosh. this was a time, you know, not the example her mother had right. had set. Right. She wanted to spend more time with her children, so she quit work as she had known it and opened up her own daycare. Oh, perfect. This was before daycare was a thing. Right. So brilliant, really, that right. she was thinking of this. She could spend time with her children while earning money babysitting other kids. Right. So it started out with Clara just watching kids during normal work hours, like a nine-to-five thing. But the children she cared for loved the environment she created so much. They didn't want to go home at the end of the day. Oh. Talk about crushing them off. <laughs> so, um, but most of the children ended up staying full-time during the week, and then they would see their moms only on the weekends. So they added to that. Right. Which would just break my heart. That. Yeah, I can't even imagine. Clara also used her home to care for children with struggling parents. There were plenty of struggling parents. According to the New York Herald, at the time, Harlem was the poorest, the unhealthiest, the unhappiest, and the most crowded single large section of New York. So high unemployment rates, many citizens living at the poverty level, and just unsanitary living conditions all contributed to that. For sure. Growing up in Harlem in the mid-1900s, you just didn't have a bright future. Right. It was particularly hard to receive a good education. In 1962, 96% of the students were African American. So keep in mind the social unrest at the time. Very few teachers were willing to teach in Harlem because of the racial issues, and their test scores showed it. According to test scores, by junior high, the majority of the students were more than two and a half years behind the average New York student. Clara Hale, like I said, knew the importance of education as well as the need for an opportunity to receive one. So just to clarify, like she was teaching in Harlem. Was she African-American? She was. Okay. Um, yes, she was. Okay. And like I said, it was daycare, so she's early Childhood development. Right. But yes, she definitely saw a need with these young African-American children that were just being left behind. Right. Right. In 1969, Clara's daughter, Lorraine, brought Clara, a mother and her child, who were both addicted to drugs. Of course, Clara was willing to take the child in. She had a huge heart. But little was known at the time 
about the impacts of drugs on infants. Mm -hmm. During the late 60s and through the 70s, even medical experts didn't agree on the impact of drugs on fetuses and babies. Right. Which blows me away. I know. Because it and just we do seems, know a lot more yeah, today. Thank goodness. Yes. Um, many experts denied that babies could be born addicted to drugs, <laughs> which shocks me. Yes. And these children would go through withdrawals just like an adult. It's awful. Mother Hale recognized early on that drug-addicted mothers gave birth to drug-addicted babies and decided that there needed to be a place these babies could be cared for and a program to get mothers into rehabilitation so they could be reunited with their children. Hopefully, yes. Clara, with the help of her children, started the Hale House. So this woman, I just so admire her. She didn't have a lot. She just was willing to give everything she had, and all of it was from the heart. Right. Like she just saw a need. Yeah. Yeah. Even like our first one saw a need. Yeah. Went yeah. and did yeah. it. And is changing lives right. of seniors. Right. Right. With this one changing lives, With babies of, and moms. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. The Hale House was a foundation and not a specific location. It was a nonprofit agency whose mission was to care for children born to drug addicted women in Harlem. The mothers of the children were addicted to heroin, cocaine, alcohol, and later crack cocaine. As a condition of accepting the child, the mother would have to participate in an 18-month drug rehabilitation program and have at least weekly contact with the baby. I love that. 18 months? That's that's extensive. It, it is. And I yeah. love that she had them, you know, she held them accountable. She right. really wanted them to reunite. Be successful. Yes, exactly. So the program grew rapidly as stories about the crazy lady in Harlem <laughs> who will care for your baby spread around the drug community. Despite the challenges, Hale House was incredibly successful in reuniting babies with mothers who had completed rehab for substance abuse. I read in one article that Mother Hale had between 1,000 and 2,000 children come through the Hale House during her lifetime. Wow. That and blows only, me away. I know. Only about 12 children were adopted out to new families because the mother couldn't get off drugs. That's a huge success rate when you it's, think yeah, about it. Yes. I mean, I can't calculate it that fast. <laughs> but, but when you think it's that huge. only yeah. 12 yeah. out of 1,000. One to two. Yeah, even like half of that, 1,500. Right. Another article said that there were it was close to 90% of the children that went through the Hale House were ultimately reunited with their families. So once again, so there you go, huge 90%. success. Yeah. Originally, the Hale House was actually Clara's house. Within months of opening, it is a licensed care facility. Mother Hale had 22 infants she was caring for, all of them with addictions. Since they became addicted in the womb, once out of the womb, they started experiencing withdrawal symptoms. Many of these babies were premature and sickly. Yes. They would show signs of withdrawal, which included nonstop crying shaking, shivering, and scratching themselves often until they were bleeding. Most of the children were developmentally delayed, and the detoxification process took weeks. Right. She and her children cared for those babies and showed them love. Clara talked about the care given to the babies to help them through their withdrawal. She said, we hold them and touch them. They love you to tell them how great they are, how good they are. Somehow, even at a young age, they understand that. The treatments, particularly the one-on-one holding and the comforting of the babies as they go through withdrawal, is now a common yes. treatment. Well, I mean, yeah. even just babies in the NICU yeah. that are born yeah. early, that's yeah. a really important thing, skin to skin. And early on. Right. Early on, the right. sooner the better. And it seems so obvious, but back then, this was revolutionary. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. 
So the Hale House started getting media attention, including some exposure on the national news, in part because of the attention the Hales were able to secure a federal grant to renovate a five-story brownstone. Think, you know, the house on the Cosby show. I really want Clara to get some sleep. I know. Yes. I don't know I that need she her ever to get did. some help I don't and get some sleep with this federal uh, yes, grant. No, no, I don't think she ever did. So then they had a lot more room to care for children, and more importantly, the mothers of the children to come bond with their babies. That's great. The national coverage helped bring in donations as well, which helped expand the number of children that the Hill House could accept. Sure. One of the largest donators to the Hill House was John Lennon. Oh. I loved reading that, who not only donated to the Hale House during his lifetime, but instructed his John Lennon Spirit Foundation to continue donating to Hale House after his death. That is amazing. I know. I wonder what inspired that. I think Harlem, because his, you know, they were big New York people. And right. Yeah, I don't know. I would. I, That's so interesting. Yeah. With the new facility, it meant that, the, that Mother Hale could take on more children. Not sleep. She could no take sleep. on more children. <laughs> more babies. Now, keep in mind, at first, this was largely Mother Hale and her kids individually caring for these children who needed a lot of care. Yes. Mother Hale would keep the children that needed the most attention in her bedroom with her so she could give them attention through the night. So... Once again, no sleep. No sleep. I remember speaking of no sleep with my own kids, how yes. hard it is some nights getting them to go back to sleep. You want to do anything. Right. Just for 10 minutes. And you know when she got one down, the other one. <laughs> I know. Down. Yes. I mean, earaches. I mean, just my kids having earaches right. or, you know, tummy issues. Yeah. yeah. How desperately you just wanted them to go back to sleep so you could just get a little, a little bit, bit more. Yes. But imagine every night with a room full of babies going through withdrawals. Not sure how this woman ever slept, but not only did she do it all night, every night, she did it with a smile and pure love for these little babies. Remember, when she opened the Hale House, she was 65 years old. I didn't put that together. So, yeah. I'm tired at 51. So, And, you know, her kids would have probably been like... In their 40s. Yeah, not not young so, either. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm tired. Yeah. 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 I'm tired There's just reading about this. 50 year olds don't <laughs> yeah, have babies. Exactly. Yes. Anyway, as more children came in, Mother Hill needed, you know, more help. Sure. She started bringing in more staff to help with the kids. Some were paid staff, others were volunteers who would just come sit and hold the babies, trying to comfort them. Lorraine, her daughter, helped to bring in nutritionists, psychologists, occupational therapists, and speech pathologists to help develop a program of care for the children to help cope with their delayed starts and potential problems as they developed. I just, her heart. Right. I mean, and the family. What's really cool was that these programs on how to deal with babies who suffered from drug addictions were taught to the mothers so they could help their own children once they were reunited. Sure. The children were no longer in the care of the Hale House. Then they would, you know, follow with the same patterns. Right. The Hale House's mission was to reunite the families if it could be done safely. So that involved not only getting the mothers clean from drugs, but also giving them the skills they needed to be good parents to and their to children. stay off the drugs. Yes. Too. All of it hard. Right. All of it hard. Right. And day, touch and go, day to day, sure. you know, minute by minute. Mm-hmm. 
1984, the Hale House had seven full-time college-educated caregivers caring for the children in addition to Mother Hale and her children. Children were being referred to the Hale House by public agencies, hospitals, and the police. (laughs) Mother Hale never turned away a child despite limitations placed on her by the state. In an interview with the Los Angeles Times, Mother Hale admitted that she, she didn't always follow occupancy laws if it meant turning away a child. She said, sometimes we would have 30 to 40 children. When inspectors would come by, we hide them. Mm-hmm. So in that, in that interview, it sounds like the inspectors kind of knew she was yeah. caring for more kids than her license allowed. But they knew these kids needed Mother Hale's help. And sometimes you can only have certain, you know, each person that you hire only can have so many certain, kids. At the time. Correct. The, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, so if you have hours, seven. Yeah. You might only be able to have 35 right. or and something it, like that. Like so. different ages. So oh, true, you can only true. have a certain number of babies. You can only have a certain number. Yeah. That is so, so true. I forgot about that. Headache with that, too. Yes. So Mother Hale explained that the inspectors would tell her things like, Oh, Mother Hale, don't you give us any trouble. But never seemed to investigate that hard. <laughs> Part of why the numbers vary so much on how many kids went through the Hale House is probably related to her creative bookkeeping. Oh, you know, for yes. this very reason. Yes. In the 1980s, the Hale House was constantly at capacity, which is sad. Crack cocaine had hit Harlem bad as a highly addictive and cheap cocaine high. I guess I don't know enough about crack cocaine, but it must be cheap and highly I have no addictive. Idea. I'll so, believe you. <laughs> Lorraine would later say in an interview that all the drugs that the babies were addicted to, that out of all of them, crack accounted for the majority. Well. Additionally, Hale House expanded its mission to care for babies who lost parents due to AIDS. Because she wasn't doing enough for, right. for, for drug babies. Right. And even took in babies that had been infected with AIDS in the womb. During the 1980s, you have to remember, AIDS was dismissed as a serious health concern. They didn't take it seriously because it was a gay man's disease. Right. So people didn't know how it was transmitted, and people were afraid to touch someone who had AIDS. Yes, they were. We talked about in episode 28 how it was such a big thing when Princess Diana publicly... I was just thinking of that. <laughs> it was huge. Yes. Shook hands, hugged. I mean, she sat with them. Yeah. AIDS, as we now know, is spread by intravenous drug use, like heroin users, sharing dirty needles. Yeah. AIDS can be passed on to the fetus if a woman is infected when pregnant. So the Hale House accepting and caring for babies that were not only drug addicted but infected with AIDS was particularly courageous and so far ahead of the time. And needed. Yes, yes. As I said earlier, Hale House was not just about caring for the babies. It was caring for the families. There was support for not only getting the moms clean but also connecting them to agencies to help with housing and employment. The Hale House also had programs that helped troubled youth stay out of the growing gang problems in Harlem. Time Out Moms provided short-term childcare for moms that just needed a break to relax and breathe for a bit, and a program that encouraged older children to help younger children. Oh, that's so sweet. Isn't it? Yes. There were AIDS prevention programs as well as research programs to help understand the problems that drug-addicted mothers faced. This program was so ahead of its time in terms of understanding that dealing with drugs requires more than simply stopping drugs. Right. It requires a more inclusive approach addressing education, job support, rehabilitation, and housing. Right. 
Mother Hale's pioneering efforts were recognized at the highest levels. President Ronald Reagan recognized Mother Hale as, quote, an American hero. I love it. In his January 1985 State of the Union address. Wow. I know. That's impressive. When asked in an interview about being named as an American hero, Mother Hale replied, I'm not an American hero. I'm a person who loves children. Just so humble. I I love it. In 1986, the Women's International Center gave Mother Hale the Living Legacy Award, which honors women for their great contributions to humanity. She won many other awards, including an Image Award from the NAACP and Candace Award for Humanitarianism. Also deserved. Yes. Hale continued throughout her life to be an advocate for education, drug prevention, and rehabilitation, as well as AIDS research and education. Up until her death in 1982, she continued to care for babies. Kept her young. Yeah, I guess <laughs> so. She kept babies in the Hale house, always having at least one infant in a room. On December 18, 1992, at the age of 87, she died of complications related to a stroke. Her funeral had over 2,000 attendees, including the mayor of New York, several members of Congress, Reverend Al Sharpton and John Lennon's widow and his son, so Yoko Ono and Sean Lennon. Yes. Hundreds of people from the Harlem community whose lives Clara Hale had touched poured in to give their final respects. That was wonderful. Lorraine, the daughter who had become a doctor, tried to continue the Hale House and did so from 1992 until 2001. Unfortunately, funds were mismanaged, and there was an investigation into whether donations were being used for improper purposes. Shoot. It was very sad. Lorraine was forced out of the Hale House, and she and her husband were subsequently arrested for misuse of more than a million dollars. She was charged but never convicted, but after that, the Hale House was finished. Right. Tragic end to a legacy. uh, Yeah. But anyway, even though the Hale House is no more, the love and the care that Clara Hale showed so many children is still just so sweet and admirable. These were not the easy children. These were not the children that other people wanted to care for. These were children that would probably have died without Clara and her family's care. The program also led the way for other care programs for babies born addicted to drugs and pioneered care for these children as well as programs to get moms off drugs and give them the training they needed to be good parents. In some ways, Clara Hale was way ahead of her time and she let love for these children and families guide her way. I'm just so impressed with her selflessness and her compassion. Me too. And just seeing a need and Going for it. All the time. All in. Yes, exactly. All in is right. Mm -hmm. And I love this quote from the two of these. If you can't hold children in your arms, please hold them in your heart. And then, until I die, I'm going to keep doing. My people need me. They need somebody that's not taking from them and is giving them something. That's beautiful. Yeah, she just was an amazing, amazing woman. For sure. I can see why she's... Compared to Mother Teresa, for sure. Yes. So I wanted to talk about someone that is truly inspiring to me and that I feel has directly impacted my life and well-being. I'm excited. um, About 15 years ago, I became aware of a book called At Home in Mitford. Hmm. I don't remember any 
details of it other than I got the book from my husband's aunt. It had actually been given to her as a gift, and she started it, and she didn't find it interesting. (laughs) And so she gave it. She gave it to me. (laughs) And it's so funny because I wish I remembered why that enticed me to Mm -hmm. read this book. That's funny. But I did. I realized it was a series, and then I read all of them and bought them one after another. And then I, so I basically read all that were released, and then every time a new book would come out, I would get it in hardback. I mean, that's how bad I wanted <laughs> these books. And it's That called, is dedication, <laughs> that hardback, is dedication. to read in hardback. Yeah. Yes. And also to not give them away afterwards, because I'm kind <sighs> of like, I only have certain books I keep. But like certain books things. and... Yeah, like Rings. Lord of the Rings, Chronicles mm-hmm. of Narnia. But otherwise, a lot of it goes to the yeah. library. Yeah. Like, I'm yeah. just not a big keeping books. But the author of this series, her name is Jan Karen. And Karen is spelled K-A-R-O-N, just mm-hmm. so that it's not mm-hmm. confusing to people. She is an American novelist who writes for both adults and young readers. So she has this series that I read that's for adults. And then she also has some kids' books mm. as well. So... Before she was four, her parents had split up and left her with her maternal grandparents on a farm a few miles away from Lenore in Hudson, North Carolina. Her mother, Wanda, was 15 at Jan's birth. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And her father... she left him with the parents. I know. Can you imagine? 15. Her father, Robert Wilson, had joined the Royal Canadian Air Force. So I think that's why she Mm -hmm. spent a lot of time with her maternal Mm -hmm. grandparents. At age 12... Jan moved to Charlotte to rejoin her mother, who was married to... Who still to, would only be, what, 27? Yeah. 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 And you have a 12-year-old? <laughs> I know. Yeah. By then, her mother had married somebody else, and she had two more children. Jan herself dropped out of school in ninth grade, and at 14, Ooh. she got married. Oh, my gosh. I know. I guess... Did she not learn? I know. In South Carolina, girls her age could do that legally. And then... Is that still the case? I wonder. I'm not sure. That's so young. Oof. At 15, she also gave birth to her only child, oh Candace Freeland. I know. Wow. Yeah. And her marriage was troubled from the beginning. And she basically had three marriages. Mm-hmm. Um, so she ended up basically being a, sing- being a single mom at 18. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Single mom. She was a receptionist and she worked at an advertising agency. And... Bored with answering phones, she started submitting writing examples. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. She wanted to be a novelist and tried all through the 1960s. By 1985, she had moved and changed jobs and worked for a different advertising agency. Mm-hmm. So I think it's so interesting that she had a baby so young. She's yep. caring for this baby at yep. 15. Yeah. And such an opposite of having Clara with, I mean, they yeah. weren't her own children, but she's caring for babies like so much, like she's At much, 65. much, much older. Yes. 15 years old, you've got a lot of energy still. Yes. You don't know what you're doing with babies, but. Yeah. <laughs> I also felt like I was a lot more patient as I got a little bit older yes, personally. Yes, so, for sure. But anyway, um, she was working with somebody else at this advertising agency, and they collaborated on a tourism campaign, and they interviewed artisans, musicians, and others for print ad showing that North Carolina had other attractions besides theme parks and big hotels. It was so funny. Just sounds really funny mm-hmm. to me. But the campaign ran in National Geographic and all these other magazines, and she won a huge award, 
which was like the Academy Award of advertising. Oh. <laughs> I thought that was so cute. What what time? Yeah. Like what date around? 1985. 1985. Yeah. Okay. And it was a $100,000 prize. Oh, wow. Yeah. She got to split it with somebody else. She yeah. and this other person. I don't care. Yeah. That's... Yeah. But during all this advertising, she's like, I still want to be an author. Mm-hmm. I still want to be a novelist. And at age 50, she left her career in advertising and moved to Blowing Rock, North Carolina to pursue that dream. Blowing Rock. Yeah, and when I've read, um, and I couldn't find where I had read it, I think maybe on her Facebook page, she basically, like, quit her job, sold her Mercedes, bought, like, a little junker, and kind of on a wing and a prayer. Mm-hmm. Like, didn't have a job, moved into this little cottage, because oh she's like, I want yeah. to be a writer, and I have to put everything into oh my it. Gosh. Now, she's a very religious person, mm-hmm. and so I remember her saying, her praying, like, Lord, if you want me to do this, mm-hmm. you got to help me. Jana woke one night with a mental image of an Episcopalian priest walking down a village street. She grew curious and started writing about a character she named Father Tim Cavanaugh. And this is the main character of the Midford series. Oh, okay. So one more thing I want to talk about about the Midford series is... I don't know, but you and I have talked about how, like, the holidays are hard for me. Like, neither you or I like these dark... When there's dark days. Mm -hmm. And... Whenever that happens, I, these are the books I bring out. Because they make Be, you feel good? They make me feel good. Um, they're just so sweet and mm-hmm. kind. Like, everybody in it is sweet and kind. And, like I said, the main character is named Father Tim Kavanaugh. Soon, Jan was publishing weekly installments about Father Tim to a newspaper. Oh! That was the time, wow. right? I mean, yeah. it was like this little story. Yeah. Like, every That's... week. Yeah, and... How cute, it, They were so popular that this newspaper circulation doubled. Because oh people loved what? Father Tim. <laughs> so they bought this oh for her stories. That's awesome. Yeah. And these installments became her first novel, which is the mm-hmm. one I read, mm-hmm. called At Home in Midford. This has since been reprinted more than 80 times and was nominated three times for an Abbey, which is American Booksellers Book of the Year Award. Which honors titles that bookstore owners most enjoy recommending to customers. Oh. I was like, that's really, I like that. (laughs) That's cool. Because remember, you and I were in a bookstore once, and I think you asked for recommendations. I I think all all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I I just thought, it just made me think of it. This series is actually 23 books now. So... And Where are you storing all of these? That's a lot of books. Uh, yeah. I mean, hardcover especially. I only have about five in hardcover. Okay. All the rest are paperback. Okay. So um, it says A New Song, which is another one, um, just another title, mm-hmm. have won Christie and Gold Medallion Awards. A bunch of these have also won awards. And most of them ride high atop the New York Times bestseller list, frequently wow. landing at number mm-hmm. one. So, Yeah. And like I said, she has written 23 books, including a recipe book, because a lot of this stuff in these books centers around food. Because yeah. it's comforting yeah. and... You feel good. And, and you know, it giving people it, together. Right. And, yeah. and serving people mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. So I love these books. I can't tell you... Like, in fact, I actually gave, years later, I gave the book back to Jeff's aunt. <laughs> <laughs> and it was kind of well-worn. And I said, please read this. It's so good. <laughs> and then I went to Costco and bought my own copy. So they Costco had it at Costco? It. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Wow. Yeah. yeah. 
Jan is currently 86 years old. Her last book was in 2017. I don't know if she will write another book. I hope so. I hope for your so. Sake. I do too. <laughs> Although her last book was a wonderful ending mm-hmm. for Midford and his yeah. characters. I love this. Jan says her character-driven work seeks to give readers a large extended extended family to call their own. Mm-hmm. And I remember there was a character that in the book when she passed away, I I, I did shed some tears. <laughs> like it was it was. Tough because she also, it was so real and it was so, how Father Tim acted was so human. And I loved it. Mm -hmm. So, I've been constantly inspired by Jan's books. They are clean, kind, and well-written. So, um, her main character, Father Tim, he always says one thing. What I love too, sorry to side note, (laughs) but Father Tim, she also published. This is tangential. I know. So, uh, side notes are good. Right. Father Tim also have two books that's just quotes from him oh, or things that he loves. Geez. Like it almost looks like a real sketchbook. Yeah. And I just love it. I just yeah. love thumbing through it and reading these wonderful quotes and scriptures and that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. But her main character, which is Father Tim, when he leaves his home in the morning, he says, Lord, make me a blessing today. And I, I just love, love that. that. Yeah. I just, yeah. I want to emulate that. Like, like when I walk the out the door, yeah. like who can I help today? Yeah. What can I do for somebody Show today? Show me what I need to do. Yes. Yeah. I'm truly grateful for Jan and her inspiration and goodness that she's brought into my life. So pick up at home um, in Midford. I'm going to have to write that and down. I'm not usually into fiction. I, I, you know me. But, I agree. Um, I agree. But At home in Midford. How do you spell Midford? Midford is M-I-T-F-O-R-D. Okay. It takes place in, you know, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And... You just will never find such You're, a lovely group of people oh. that don't really exist. <laughs> I love that. I'm so excited to, to learn about it. Awesome. You can't live a perfect day without doing something for someone who will never be able to repay you. John Wooden. We want to hear from you. Please email us your thoughts, story ideas, or just say hi at tangentialinspiration at gmail.com. Tell us about someone inspiring in your life and like or subscribe to our podcast. It helps us out and helps others find us. You can find more information about us at our website, tangentialinspiration.com. Follow us on Instagram at tangentialinspirationpodcast or find us on Facebook. Have a great week.